Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Earth Sea Love podcast. Today I'll be sharing a conversation that I completed with Jane Odega um, a few months ago now and we were still in the thick of lockdown. Um, I think we still are but that's another story. And we were catching up with each other because we hadn't seen each other for a while. Talking about how we've been taking care of ourselves during lockdown, looking after our families. Jane also went into detail about what she does for a living. And then also what her dreams are for establishing a business within the Northeast, catering for black women within the Northeast. And then we continue our conversation and talk about this a group African women's voices that Jane helped establish within Sunderland which is there to support and develop African women's presence within the northeast and how they use the common language of food really to build bridges across cultures and communities and it's really beautiful to hear Jane talk about their work and hopefully I'll be able to see um, the African Women's Voices develop further in the years to come once we get out of lockdown. Um, So yeah, so this is the conversation. We hope you enjoy it and if you want to find out more about um, Jane and her group there's information given at the end of the podcast and they'll also be in the show notes and you can also find out more about the Earthsea Love podcast at our website which is earthseelove.com thank you for listening Personally, my full names are Mrs. Jane Odega. I'm a pharmacist by profession. Um, I currently uh, work, I cover um, six surgeries. I'm one of the primary care network pharmacists. And also, I'm a bank pharmacist in with uh, Northeast Ambulance Services, um, the urgent care, the NHS 111. So, and um, I am currently working on a project. Um, I just opened, um, I just registered a company with um, Company House, a baby limited. Um, this is one of the things I wanted to do if I had continued to be the chairperson for African Women Voices. 
Um, one of the things that the women kept on mentoring during our connection was lack of job satisfaction. The jobs we are doing did not match the skills they had. Some of them were PhD holders, some of them were master's holders, graduates, and they couldn't really find employment that matched their skills. Some of them were not working at all, you know, and we were struggling. And then I was trying to, like, um, explore the reasons why this were happening and just one of the things. And having left that position, it's been a burden in my heart, especially knowing that how much opportunities I've had to grow here as a pharmacist. Um, uh, I just completed my clinical diploma at the University of Sunderland. I'm currently an independent prescriber. And I just finished that also February 2020. Uh, so I am hoping to start my advanced practice, my master's in a, a clinical advanced practice. So I've just rounded up uh, those courses this February. So that's why I had to step down September last year because I needed to concentrate and finish it. And um, so I am currently hoping to launch in August. So I have, um, I'm hoping to open a recruitment agency, uh, not money driven, but however, I don't want a situation where I'm looking for who's gonna fund it. I want it to be self-funded. So that's why I decided to go through the business route. So you might be hearing more about it. I'm going to, my aim is to connect the uh, black, Asian minority ethnic groups in the Northeast with uh, employment consistent with their abilities and skills and their preferences. I'm going to be helping them with, I'm already doing it, uh, but not, I do it voluntarily. I try to find out what are you doing now? So I'm looking for a job. Okay, tell me what job it is. So when I see vacancies, I tend to forward it to the persons then try to go through them, go through the interview process and, you know, tell me about yourself and try to say, no, you need to sell yourself. If you've done this and that, this is what the employer is looking for. So I thought about it. Why not do it in a way people could? So that's what I'm working on currently now. So I hope I'm able to touch even more Black Asian a minor Asian because I have worked closely with the Asian community as the chairperson. I've had opportunity to work with the Bangladesh Center and um, I had a brief association with YAV, Yogincha Voices. So I said, this is not something that is common to just the black minority group. The Asian minority group are also facing this. And I did a lot of uh, some research myself, I found that, that in the Northeast, um, in 2018, the black ethnic groups, aside others, had the lowest employment rate in the Northeast, and the next was the Asian group. And I said, why not? If you go down south, the Southeast, it's 83%. You come to the North, it's 58%. So I said, we could change that. Because this is our home now. Oh, wow. That just sounds so beautiful. You've got a full plate there. 
how how has things changed with the situation that it is now? Um, I think this is the first bank holiday they are letting us stay at home. Right. You know, yeah, we had to like walk bank holidays and just help out wherever. So, but I've taken some few days. Initially, they said no holiday. You can take some days off, but it kind of like said, yeah, we've really worked so hard this period. We can start getting some days. So next week I'm off for three days and um, this bank holiday. Although some people are working today, they said if you want to take it off, you can take it off. I said, oh, let me just take it off and do this today. Oh. <laughs> so are you looking after yourself? I mean, I, as and and your family? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm looking after myself. Um, they the thing is that. They've been so supportive of work. If you're really tired and things like that, if they see that, man, you're tired, they say, do you want to go home? And you go home, I used to get paid for it. Oh, so it's, it's good. It's been fine. Um, so long as they see that willingness that you're not running from work, mm -hmm. you're doing your own beat and, you know, and mm -hmm. giving your own best. If they feel, man, I think you're looking stressed out, you need to go home. So... And you don't get penalized for it, you just to get paid for it. Oh, that's good. That yeah. is good. Yeah. yeah. So you're having, um, <laughs> you've got your kids at home, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're at <laughs> home. <laughs> They're a handful. <laughs> yeah. Because how old are they now then? Um, 9, 11, 13. Yeah. It's still better than when you're younger. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I know that Ella Ella turned 10 while in lockdown and um, she's now at that age that she can amuse herself. You know, we don't, we don't have to be there all the time on her. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just trying to get back to some, or not get back, but fit into some new routines sort of thing. But Eli's your youngest, isn't it? Yes. And yes, Nathan, he's 22. Yeah. He's, he's in Liverpool at the moment because he was teacher training. Um, and he's going to be moving to Birmingham next month Ooh. because he, wow. he got he got a job at the turn of the year. And it was a oh, bit... Oh, that's great. Yeah. He was a bit worried in case it wasn't going to happen with the current circumstances. But they've been in touch. They've been checking how he is. They got him to make a video for his new year sevens coming in. And oh. He, and, he, you know, the contract starts at the end of June. So he's really pleased that things are moving forward, whatever they may be. But at least... To He's, he's joining a new family because that's how they say it a new family oh, so um are you yourself um i'm okay i'm okay i'm leaning more into my creative practices um uh, you know more writing more artwork um we go out sometimes on the evening with our cameras so we can do some photo walks uh. so yeah i'm you know i i am disappointed that um a lot of the activities that we have planned have mm -hmm. been, you know, cancelled or postponed for safety reasons. And yeah. I totally understand that. And I suppose this is why we're doing this now, this podcast, as a way of trying to keep keep the flames alive somehow mm -hmm. and keep plugged into the natural world if we are trying to get out there as individuals or in family units. Um, so, yeah. 
yeah, it's just it's just a different way that the day shapes out, you know, and sometimes the days just mesh into one sort of thing. You know, because I'm used to I'm used to staying at home and working. Um, but as I say, with the projects, it was starting to go outside and work with other people. Um, and I suppose I missed that. I missed that because we had a, a successful first year and we were going into the second year and we were going to start working with your group. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like, where are you based at the moment? Are you in Sunderland? Yeah, I'm in Sunderland. So, um, what can you see outside your window in Sunderland? Is it the is it the um, urban area? Uh, I'm in between, kind of. Ah, yeah. what's in between? Because you know, for me with Sunderland, I'm used to just the town centre mainly. No. I'm not close to the town centre. I'm actually close to a river. However, not close, close to the river. I could walk there. You know, the, do you know the new uh, Sparrow Bridge? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. You can oh. see it from my window. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So okay. is, is the river over in Sunderland still a busy place? Because, you know, it was historically shipbuilding and stuff like that. But has it, has it, is the new industry there or not? Um, you know, the, the ship area, it's at the other side of the town. Ah, okay. You know, that side where I am, I don't know if you know Sunderland very well. If you know South Hilton, there's yes. like a river bank. It's not, it's it's individuals going there to fish. Okay. So there are chairs by the river bank. It's not really commercial activities. There's a pub nearby. People just go there and just sit down there, you mm-hmm. know. You know, and just, it's not really like... It's not the industrial side. Okay. It's the side where you can just have a stroll. Then there is a bush path. You can just walk. I'm in the town, but not in the town town. Because mm-hmm. once in a while, we just walk there. And just five minutes walk. I was hoping this evening, me and the kids will go there. There's like, um, you know, the way you have um, gardens, uh, plots where people do farming. Allotments. Beyond the edges. Oh, that sounds nice that you're still getting to get out to some open spaces and and see the river and the water because I find water very healing and therapeutic. So we first met um, a few years ago now, if you can yeah. remember. And, yeah. and it was at uh, South, it was in South Shields and it was a fundraising event with Heritage Lottery Fund. I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but around that time, you just recently set up this group for African women in Sunderland. Can you tell us a little bit about this group on, and why was it set up and what does it do? Um, it's African Women Voices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was born out of necessity. Um, it was a project that um, was sponsored from above as in from national level and they were trying to reach support um, um, women only groups around the northeast so when they came to Sunderland it was called listening to women that was the title of the project so when they came to Sunderland and they got in touch with all the women groups in Sunderland and there was no one black person there so that was when they asked um, is there a black an only black women group in Sunderland. They said no, there was none. 
So the organizers were quite curious. They said, but there are black women in the community. Yes, said, but they don't really have an avenue where they made. So they actually sought us out and they got in contact with an African group um, that it was mainly men that were the escorts that were running it and said, will you speak to your wives? Are they interested in something like this? And um, I wasn't actually, my husband wasn't part of the group. A friend now said, this is what they're trying to set up. They're looking to meet African women in Sunderland. I know you're really busy, but I think you have something to offer and it's an opportunity for you to meet other African women in the society. And I came to the meeting late. In short, when I got there, they finished. <laughs> you know, I practically got there and they gave me like a leaflet about the project, what it was all about and things like that. And um, because I work full time, I had to take holiday to be in the next meeting. So, and um, I was just kind of quiet there and everybody was talking. So towards the end of the meeting, I said something that kind of inspired everybody. Mm. And they said, oh, come on. I think, I think you should take a lead on this. And um, help us put our trust together. Let's know where we want to go. So that was how it started. And we had like an interim ESCO to see if it's what's forming the group. And after we had two meetings, we all agreed that I think we should meet. I think this is an opportunity for us. So African Women Voices was formed on the 27th of July, 2018. And uh, we had an election, and I emerged as the chairperson. So I was supposed to hold that position for two years. However, in the first year, uh, because because of the men that we contacted, they were mostly Nigerian men, so we were all Nigerians, mm -hmm. and it was an African women group. So we had to like reach out to the other African communities uh, from other countries, so when they were joining, one of the things that they all mentioned, they said, mm, it's an African thing, but all of you running the organization are Nigerians. We don't feel included. Uh. So in one of the meetings, I said, this is not a Nigerian group. It's an African group. I'm supposed to hold this position for two years, but we have to put an exception in this constitution because the clause says, in an exceptional situation, we can hold an earlier election. I said, the group was too young for you to start doing another election. I hold this position for one year, then after one year, we'll do another election. Uh -huh. So that is why you say there's change in management. Uh -huh. And let me say, in the election, I was actually voted as the new chairperson. I had to step down <laughs> overwhelmingly voted as the as the new chairperson and because they said, Oh, you've done a fantastic job. Within one year we've reached out to close to hundred African women in the society. The growth the rate of growth was it was excellent. Within a few months of forming it, we had that sharing African women voices, um, celebration event. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, that one year, it was fantastic. The project was so successful. Women kept on coming, mm -hmm. told their stories. Please 
tell us a bit more about that project because I just know it from the idea of food and sharing but there's much more to that project than just that isn't there the food and sharing was actually the thing however the aim of the project was to bring the African women in the society together you know we wanted to learn each other's culture we wanted to with so many I for one 95% 95% of the people in that group, I've never heard of them. I didn't know them, mm-hmm. you know. That's bonds we have formed. People made friends, connections, you know. Because of the, the, the that project, people came and um, were able to support one another in times of need. Members had kids and there was a lady that had a baby. And when we went there in masses, dropping gifts and she was so overwhelmed. She she was recounting the first time she had a baby. She came to the UK. She said nobody came to say hi, not even her neighbours. But suddenly she feels she has a family all because of this project. She came in and joined. And people were so willing. Even though the fact that we were giving money to sponsor, the money that was allocated for this project, people spent way, way more than that. Yes. You gave them £40 to cook and they filled the whole table with food. The money was there to buy food from the local area. I mean, did you go out to local markets where there was oh, yeah. organic food Indeed. or fresh food? We even went to Newcastle. Some people went to Stock uh, on Tees to different places. They said, oh no, there is this thing that we I cook in Africa from where you can find it in Sunderland. We'll have to go here to get it. So what are you talking about? You know, like like me for once, some of the shops I went during the course when we had the Newcastle trips, I never knew places like that. Existed. That was the first time. Yeah. You know, we went from one shop to the other. Some of the food we didn't cook, but just seeing the food. Said, do you know what this? I said, I've seen it before. Said, this is uh, a beans cooked in South Africa. It's for cooking mosho. I said, what's mosho? You know? <laughs> And um, there were times whereby uh, we called the same food. Somebody said, I want to make pap. And we were thinking, oh, it's the same pap everybody ate. And when the brother, I said, that's not pap. <laughs> you know, say, oh, this is pap. And in a fun way, we were arguing, no, this is no pap. And we found that, that pap was liquid in Nigeria. Pap was solid in, Af- in South Africa and Zimbabwe. Oh. And we said, oh, my God, if you said pap in Nigeria, it's custard. So, no, if you said pap in South Africa, it means it's solid food you eat with stew. So I got to, like, understand, even though, you know, we're all black, you think we know ourselves. But there was so much difference. Oh, my gosh. That is not just an attitude from the mainstream society, but also there's that attitude within our own cultures and societies the black ones that the idea that we are all the same but we're not we have oh. differences we come we come together on a lot of things but we have such a rich and diverse culture and history and taking that time to actually share that brings us closer together as you've been saying that that lady and her baby and, and you know in the past by herself but through this project coming together was it a case like somebody bought some food and then would cook and then would put on a, a spread oh, no. I was, 
though we had sex dates from different countries oh you know so we made everybody know so um somebody from the country decided to take the lead on that day so we had nigerian day we had south african day zimbabwe morocco um we just had different days for different countries so on the day for zimbabwe they, from the project's money, we allocated money to them to make the food. So they buy the ingredients and come to the venue and actually prepare the food there. So we watch them. They talk about the history of the food. They talk about um, uh, on what occasion the food is made. You know, if it's just a family meal, if it's a special meal made during special occasion like marriage celebration, they talked about it. And they showed us how the food is cooked. So it was actually a hands, it's like a workshop, a practical. So we watched them cook the food. And after cooking the food, they spread the food on the table and we start eating. I ate a lot of food I've never eaten before. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when you're, when you're doing these practical things, you're talking. Your hands might be busy, but you're actually talking and sharing stories, yeah? Oh, it was all fun. He said, during the cooking, so what's that? Says this, and we, you know, just saying, okay, what's this ingredient? And you mentioned the ingredient, and different people start talking about what they do with that ingredient in their own countries. Okay, I'm hearing you, because that's what I was going to be asking you next, because you have mentioned you come from Nigeria, and now in Sunderland. It must have been a total culture shock in nigeria were were you there on the edge of the city just into the rural or were you totally in the rural area oh i was in the middle of the city when i was in nigeria however i didn't grow up in the middle of the city i grew up in the rural area but i got married to somebody in the city i had to move (laughs) but growing up i grew up in the rural area and I'm telling you, those were one of the best days of my life. I have never been to Africa. My family descend from West Africa. So we've got Ghana, we've got um, the Ivory Coast, we've got Togo. I've never been. So please describe what the rural area in Nigeria looks like or feels like to you. Okay. My dad was a vice principal. We lived in the in one of the rural villages, not in the major towns. We had a farm behind us, so we cultivated the um, the pepper that we used to make food, the tomatoes, the gari. Gari, it's 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 an ingredient in Nigeria. It's a staple food in Nigeria. The yam, we all made them. So we we we, we used to even to the fish. There used to be a pond not far away from the house. I remembered as a child, I just used to love just sitting down there and watch, throw food inside the pond and see the fish come out. You know, it's that calm serenity, you know, just staying under the tree. You know, in Africa, it's when I came here that I realized I not to spend so much money buying fruit. And when I went to the city, when I got married and went to the city, I had to buy fruit. But growing up, you don't have to pay for food. When you want to drink oranges, you just pick it. You know, yeah. you don't have to. It's it's 
you just go there. I just, I, I, I just walk into the bush myself. They used, they used to have a favorite fruit called sherry. We call it sherry. It's got seeds inside. Or during the season, it just falls on the ground. There's loads. You can sit down there all day just eating and eating it. Nobody says anything. You eat as much and you just go home. You know? And um, that showed it. Uh, like when I was dating my husband before we got married, even though he was living in the city, there was one thing I kept on doing to him. I wouldn't stay in the house. We just walked to the countryside of the city where you have bushes and we used to have our favorite tree. We talk about it here. I said, do you remember our favorite tree? We stay under the tree and we just talk and talk for hours. Just peaceful. You know, yeah. it's it's different. Yeah, when I hear I say, oh, I went to the countryside and, and people talk about it. I said, that it's my life every day growing up. Mm-hmm. It's not a vacation. That is what I did growing up every day. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's different. It's part of your being, isn't it? It's exactly. part of your your makeup. Yeah, it's those those foundations have been laid within you, and you. So you're saying you had this farm, you had your own produce in Nigeria. So what produce produce did were you able to find here in the northeast that would that you brought into your Nigerian offering of food here? Was there certain herbs or there was a certain foods that you were able to find here to bring that piece of home here? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because this this foods are imported into the country, so you can still buy it, even though they're expensive. You know, we get the pepper, the yam, the gari, everything I mentioned. You can find them here. But mind you, they don't taste like the ones at home. What's the difference? What's so, the difference? They don't taste like the one at home. The, the traveling that these might have done? Or is it because you're not eating them with your your home environment around you? I, or I your family? I place my hand on it. I really don't know. It's just different. I keep saying it. I said, this does not taste like diarrhea I eat at home. It, it's just different. Yeah. I, I, I still don't understand why it tastes different. Well, I know it definitely tastes different. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but at least uh, you can get something close, close to home. Yeah, a proximity. Approximately. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the women were sharing the food and stories with the other women in the group, but you did have a big, um day of sharing food to the Sunderland, the wider Sunderland oh, community, didn't it's, you? It's, yes. Can you tell I us about still, that? I still I still get to get as to see Sunderland indigents walking that I don't even recognize that he recognized me. Said hello, I remembered you from that event. When are you having another one? You know, and you know the mayor was there one hour in that program. He stayed till the end. Oh my God, it was we had arrays of food flooding everywhere, different <laughs> from different countries. So we had different women behind the food, talking about the stories of the food, telling them. And everybody was, you know, I was so overwhelmed. That's that celebration program. It was so jam-packed. People didn't have enough seats to sit down. The place was hot. We had to open the doors everywhere because the crowd was 
and people were just willing. You know, the, the, the most interesting thing was the British community in that program, not just the African, those that had African roots, British that have never seen some of those food, they were bold enough to test it. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I was so surprised. The mayor initially we kind of dished for him. Then after some time, I was so glad he stood up himself. I was going from <laughs> one station to the other to just take things and try. You know, it's it was so. It's 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 uh, you know I I can't. I can't relive that day again. It's yeah. it's just something that I reminisce on, and I just said, "Oh my God, I couldn't believe it." It was such a success. Uh, kids were willing to try food because initially I was scared. I said, "Oh, the pepper is hot. Will they be able to eat it? Okay, should we make some English dishes and food like the, the Zimbabwe station, the Uganda station?" Within one and a half hour, it was nothing left. I said, where is the food at the Uganda station? They said, oh, Jane, I don't know. Everything was gone. It's, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't just the food. You know, people were asking questions. So tell us about this, tell us about that. Oh, the Morocco station, you need to have seen it. It was amazing. The, she, the lady that was in charge of that station, she just didn't even, she didn't bring bowls that were used. She didn't bring plates here. She brought the local, you know, the local things you use in Africa. She brought the wooden ones and everything and it was just beautiful. She was just on her feet. People kept, if, you, if you look at the queue, people asking her questions. So what is this? Or what is that? She said, just have a taste. This is... She was explaining and I said, oh my God, you must be so tired, repeating yourself, telling different stories, you know, mm. you know they talked about where the, the, the ingredients came from, like Uganda was saying, oh, the ingredients came from India during the trade, the trade by butter, they gave them some of the spices, you know. It was, I said, really? I didn't even know that Indians came to Uganda to do trade by butter. Gosh. Oh, it's just fascinating. <laughs> it's, it's almost like the food was the connection that maybe sort of got the, was um, not fueling, but massaging the wheels of the conversation for these stories to come out, but also to connect across all these different cultures as well as into the british mainstream culture and now it is a case that people are seeing you out and about and remembering that day and are talking to it sort of like been, oh, it's broken yeah. down barriers in a sense yeah. hasn't it yes it did it actually did it's it's actually did and it's like when are you going to have that you know on that day we had that event after the event i saw people there was one of my girlfriend he said jane hold on something happened on this day in sunderland see everybody that passed through asda that saw me see they kept on asking me what are you doing here say haven't you heard about what is happening in the Bangladesh center today see african people are there so people are trooping in there something is happening i said what are you doing here you're having lots of fun there. And she said, what did you do? That, <laughs> you know? And, you know, after we finished the event, all oh, the mayor's wife, the mayor, 
those that came in, Jane Hills. I, I didn't even know those people. They were just tweeting about the event. I said, oh, my God, this event is tweeting on Twitter. Come on, you guys, come and see. <laughs> you know, and we were really hoping to have something similar again. But, oh, this year has been yeah it's been challenging because that's that's what i was going to ask you is like what has the african women's voices group got planned for the future for continuing this journey that you've you've started i mean i know we were making some arrangements for us to go out as a group and do some wild foraging around you know northumberland and to be using these natural herbs and spices that we can find out within the northeast landscape and bringing it into the food and being part of the hexam um food festival but that's not happening because of certain circumstances so how are you planning for the future if you are planning for the future Oh, um, like we always do, usually we, we kind of like set a timetable for the year because um, like people are busy, they need to work within the times and, um, you know, the organization, it's purely voluntary. There's no paid worker and things like that. So we need to plan. I myself, I, I work full time and I, I'm studying at the same time. That's one of the reasons I had to even step down because it was really hectic doing everything together. You know, so we tend to have like a timetable. But right now with COVID-19, the COVID situation, everything is all scrapped. Mm. And I'm currently not in the uh, management committee. I'm not in the committee. I'm still an active member, however. So um, to be fair, I really don't know what the the management committee are planning to do with the whole situation. They've just written in the WhatsApp group that everything is all scrapped due to COVID. I, I don't know if they've been able to come up with how we could meet online or mm. it's difficult to be fair. Yeah. It's I, difficult. I totally understand that. And probably there's even more of a need and a want for connection during these times. It's lovely seeing your face and hearing your voice and connecting with you, you know, because we are all in our own little bubbles. And it seems that the group has been a supportive network for the women. And to not to have some kind of way of still connecting during these times will be hard on, on the oh. women. It's hard, although like like last week uh, I was chatting with uh, the current chairperson Paz. Uh, I personally have been trying to because um, you can I can't just take myself out completely. I've yeah. been on my own level trying to reach out to the women individually because um, uh, I've got I've come to build a relationship with a lot of the women, so I've tried to say hi to them to say if we've got any concern um we might be in our own places now if there's any way i could help i'm here mm -hmm. so personally that's what i've been doing trying mm -hmm. to reach out to the women um even though i'm not in the i'm not one of the management committee members it's it's like oh it's your you started this organization so you can't just 
we still have to reach out to you when we we need some support and things like that so i have been yeah. but however it's it's really difficult because i know that the current chairperson and the secretary have been working on um a lot of application trying to get funding you know but everything has come to a halt yeah it's really difficult yeah right? and you know that just shows the kind of person that you are that you've taken on that personal responsibility and reaching out to the women it shows that the depth of connections that have been made i would like to just take this time to say thank you for you sharing your time on coming on this um, podcast so i thank you for your time African Women Voices, you could go to www.africanwomenvoices.co.uk. That's the website. And the email address is africanwomenvoices at gmail.com. That's the email. You could follow our, you can follow us on Twitter, African Women Voices. You can follow us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page, African Women Voices also. If you just tap that, it will come off. I'm going to